0: Welcome to the J Two Hub Podcast, where we focus on everything from property development, hot entrepreneurially business topics, and real life scenarios facing business owners just like you and I. Brought to you by James Sohota, we bring you exciting real life property, business, and entrepreneurially related hot
1: topics, and that little bit more. So welcome everybody to another episode of the J2 Hub podcast. Um, today I'm joined by somebody who I've been trying to pin down for a long time and we seem to have been missing each other for a while now and then the old lockdown hit in and it completely threw the schedule out and it's a bit of a disaster. So uh, lo and behold, thank you very much firstly Ellie Broadhouse for joining me this morning on the J2 Hub podcast.
0: Hello. Hi James.
1: Welcome, welcome. <laughs> I'm so glad I managed to Uh, pin you down finally and get you on the podcast (laughs) we've we've been kind of going back and forth about trying to get you on here and um we just it just hasn't worked and I'm so glad it has worked now and uh we're finally having this conversation definitely so Ellie I want to first of all start off and ask you um a little bit about yourself, if you wouldn't mind. I mean, I know who you are. I've, I've mm-hmm. seen you a couple of times now and I've met you at a, uh, a kind of an investor day that Green did, which I'll go into a little bit later on. But yeah. for the people that don't know who you are, do you want to tell people who Ellie Broadhurst is?
0: Yeah, of course. Um, so, yeah, I'm a, a commercial or specialist mortgage broker. Um, we have a small mortgage um, brokerage firm, um, which I work with my aunt with um she's director Jackie um and we specialize in everything out of the ordinary really um so I've been doing this now for about five years um with this area but previous to that I've been in finance for a long time I was a bank manager in a previous life um working for high street bank um I've been a mortgage advisor for yeah many years on and off um, but I love this now. I absolutely love what we do. Um, every single case that we see is different. Every client that we have is different, um, and yeah, love the diversity of it all. So yeah, that's what we do really. Everything out of the ordinary, and yeah. Kind of okay,
1: for people. Ellie. Ellie, you mentioned you've you've been a bank manager. Um, am I would I be right in saying have you been a a high street kind of mortgage advisor at any point in your career? Yeah,
0: yeah, I have. Yeah, I started off. Um, in the subprime area of the market pre-2007 um, and then I moved to Northern Rock um, as a mortgage um, advisor there in June 2007 so everyone can go back that far <laughs> you'll realise what happened in September that year so I was there for the run on the bank and all that so I so, saw so, all of that um, but yeah I was a mortgage advisor there for, for a little while um, and then we stopped lending for a bit Um, And then I sort of moved across. So I was assistant manager and then I was a um, bank manager for Virgin Money for six years after that. So I wasn't doing mortgages myself, but I was looking after other people that did.
1: Wow. I I know Northern Rock really well because that was actually my first mortgage and it was was in 2007. (laughs) So it's really strange you say that because uh, it's a year that sticks in my head. And yeah, and I remember seeing Northern Rock all over the news just... Because we got our house early 2007, and oh, then towards the end of the year, it was just everywhere on the news.
0: Chaos. It was a strange year, and then the following year was equally as strange with all the other the other banks. So yeah, but I think be, having gone through that makes me feel more positive about what we're going through now, um, mm-hmm. because I've been through it. Um, I've seen it, um, and actually, we are bouncing back a lot quicker this time than we did i mean it's slightly different well completely different reasons for it all but um yeah there was a lot of problems that went on for quite a quite a period of time back in 2007 2008 and mortgage lending was quite difficult afterwards and, and then obviously there's been so many changes that have happened since to make it a bit more um resilient i guess to these sorts of things um, and we're seeing things bounce back a lot quicker
1: mm-hmm.
0: from covid oh. than before so
1: Before I ask you the dying question that everybody asked me to ask you, um, can I ask your opinion on what would you say is the difference with somebody using a mortgage advisor on the high street and someone using someone like yourself who's quite specialist? What would they get from someone on the high street and what would they get from someone someone like yourself and, and, and your firm?
0: So it's a completely different approach, really. So what we like to do is work with people who are building a portfolio generally so we're working with you to try and get to where you want to achieve in, I don't know, three, five years time. So we're building that portfolio. and We're finding solutions for you a bit more long, longer term. We've also got access to specialist lenders that you just don't get on the high street. So people like Shawbrook and Interbay and Lens Invest and people like that who look at out of the ordinary properties. They look at out of the ordinary sort of company structures, income. Um, things that, as I say, just don't get on the high streets. There's access to those and understanding really what you're trying to, to get to. If you go to a high street broker or a high street lender and, and you're a property investor and your SA302s show generally quite a small amount of money because you're writing off debts with refurbs in previous years and all those sorts of things, you're going to come across problems really. They don't understand it. They don't generally understand self-employed people a lot of the time. Um, so you can get that from us that you just can't get from other lenders um, experience um, in understanding company structures. Um, Jackie, my director, has another company that looks after setting up um, limited companies for foreign investors. So she has a wealth of knowledge around limited companies and how to set up companies and how these things work and all those sorts of things, which is just amazing. It sits really nicely with what we do. Um, But there's so many things that people want to do in the property investor world, which you just can't get away with on the high street, like director loans and angel investors and JVs, and all those sorts of things. So that's what you get really is a specialist who understands what you're trying to achieve.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's, it's great that, um, uh, that you kind of understand all that as well. Cause you mentioned some terms in there, like, you know, JV, uh, director loans and people's SA 302 is just showing, you know, low income. Um, are you a property investor yourself? Because you just you, you, you <laughs> seem to be you seem to be seeking all the right terminology uh, here.
0: I'm not. I would love to be. It's on my list of things to do. But yeah, there's been a number of other things that have kind of got in the way. But uh, yeah, it is on my list of things to do. Jackie, my director, is she's got um, five properties.
1: Okay. Yeah, okay.
0: Outside of we- the so.
1: Ellie would you say that your firm offers um because I mean I use a brokerage myself um Mm. would you say your firm offers quite a hand-holding service for investors that are quite new?
0: Absolutely yeah so we work with brand new investors all the way through to really experienced ones, and and we can help you all the way along so yeah there's quite a few clients that come to us that have never bought a property before or never bought an investment property before maybe they're using bridging for the first time maybe they're doing the first refurb and yeah we absolutely have a complete hand-holding experience <laughs> for people that need it so we've I've gone through that so many times I know you you came to the Maygreen day and we've been working with with the Maygreen guys as an example right from there when the early early properties and um, so yeah we can we can help all the way from the beginning and then obviously if you don't need that then then you don't you don't need that but a lot of the time people do And it gives you a bit of um what's the word um just sort of knowing that you've got somebody who's sort of looking out for you. I mean, obviously I'm, I'm not haven't seen the property. I'm not I don't know it from that sort of point of view, but I can pick out things that people might think, yeah, is that an issue? Or or something, just say go and check it out and, and have a look at it in a bit more detail, which is useful.
1: hmm I mean, for me personally, I I always say that I, I feel a broker is um is probably one of the most powerful people in your team and they really need to be quite Quite clued up on different projects Absolutely, I mean yeah. like like you said I mean you've you've got a you've got a, a, a array of products you can uh, present a case to a lender in a certain way you understand yeah. things Absolutely. and this is what I try to tell people when they ask me James how important is a broker and I say listen I would say your broker is the second most important person after HMRC in my yeah. opinion yeah um, I agree.
0: Because it can make a break or a deal you know you don't want to end up going to a lender and presenting a case to them and it's you know you're you're paying valuation fees you might start legals and you're you're wasting your time and and everyone else's time really if, if it's not going to go anywhere with that lender and I think a lot of people are quite rate conscious they're quite cost conscious and possibly not really looking at the, the bigger picture and the prize at the end and and I can explain that and and as you say presenting it to a lender. So we work with Shawbrook. I'm a big big fan of Shawbrook and if you see you know some of the blogs that we've written and things and um, you'll see that. But I love the way that they work and they have a really just a really sensible attitude to what who they're going to lend to and what they're going to lend on. Um, and I've got quite a few cases through with them that aren't don't quite fit their criteria but the client might have experience in a different area or you know they've got other factors in you know coming into the equation which aren't necessarily what's on the criteria sheet in front of me but I feel that that brings something to the table which is really valid and really important and I can sit down and have a conversation with an underwriter and say look I think you should look at this case and and we've got cases through on that basis you know not not just for sure but with other lenders as well but that's what you get from somebody like me where we are a specialist broker we work with not loads of lenders you know we work with lenders that we think offer something that other lenders don't and and give you those options and we can build relationships with those lenders and we do have good relationships with them so I can put forward something which you know doesn't necessarily fit but they will listen and they'll, they'll take that on board
1: Mm-hmm. So, would you say your service is more than just uh, inputting some bits into a computer and a oh, computer God, says yeah. yes or no?
0: <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, <laughs> definitely. I mean, we're speaking to people every day. You know, we we will we'll push it through. You know, Jackie's a big um, fan of of keeping momentum going. That's something that she really really pushes. I think it's really important. You need to keep momentum going, and as soon as you stop that, that's when things all fall apart. So, if we can make sure that we push things through quickly. You know, and we'll be the one chasing our clients up, you know, not the other way around, which I think is quite rare in this world. You know, it's mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. you that's trying to get hold of me. <laughs> it's the other way around.
1: Yeah, the other way around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, that's good to know, because, um, uh, like you said, sometimes it's um, it might just be a small little tweak that's needed in a mm. case to get it forward. And if your broker isn't clever enough to see that, because I would imagine I've only ever got a mortgage once from a high street bank and it was a very painful experience. Might I tell you, you know, and and I feel, you know, with a broker, you guys have this certain ability to twist a few buttons and and not like, you know, in in an illegal sense or something. You've just got a way of putting the data in front of a broker and make sorry, a lender and making them understand, hey, look, uh, James over here needs money for this project yes, this shows this and this shows this, but we can also show this and we can show this and we can exactly. show this, yeah, which yeah. reinforces it.
0: Yeah. And it's presenting information. I mean, we've had a couple of cases recently where sort of bank statements have shown information that has been read by the lender in a certain way, but
1: mm-hmm. it's not
0: how we've let, read it. It was not how the clients read it. But to be able to have a conversation with the underwriter and say, look, this is the situation. It's not, you know, I can understand where you're coming from, but that's not, the truth this is how it is and for them to be able to listen to us and say actually yeah Ellie you're right yeah the client has got the funds to service the bridge or you know whatever it might be Mm -hmm. we can get get that through but it's presenting information in the right way and that you kind of only get one shot at really so you've got to do it the you know the, the right way you've got to put that time and effort there's no point just you know getting stuff in from a client and just sending it off your desk and shoving it you know onto somebody else's desk you've got to really look at it read it digest it think about it and think about how you're going to present that information so that when somebody else is looking at it they understand what you're trying to tell them on the off
1: yeah yeah no I agree with you Uh, Ellie would you say that when somebody brings a deal to you you can generally kind of oversee it and say look I think this is going to work or uh, I'm not going to be able to help you here and I, I don't think you should waste your time.
0: Um, yeah I mean it's not up to me whether somebody wants to buy a property <laughs> and everyone's got their own um, factors I guess you know somebody someone might come to me and unless they're making a 20% profit you know by doing a refurb that's not for them whereas other people might say do you know what I'm I'm happy not to make anything on the refurb it's got a good yield over the next five years it's going to make me x amount of money you know going to get this ROI and, and I'm happy with that. So it depends. I mean, if you're looking to borrow refurb costs, then you need to have some profit in the deal. The lender mm. wants to see some profit in the deal. But if you're not bothered about borrowing refurb costs, then you don't necessarily. I mean, I've got plenty of people who are not bothered by that, for example, um, and plenty of people that are. Um, in terms of whether it will work, I mean, it's tricky at the moment. There are a few things that is a bit more difficult to place than usual I mean heavy refurbs are going to be a little bit of a sticking point I think for a little while I have got lenders that will do them but it's not as many lenders in the market that's doing that at the moment um, so that's going to be a bit bit of an issue I think hopefully I mean read this morning that um, property prices are bouncing back that transaction levels are up and there's lots of properties coming to the market so hopefully it's looking like things are sort of getting back to normal um i think for heavy refurbs you've got two things you've got your your construction part of it so are you going to be able to have builders on site is there going to be any potential you know we've been talking about local lockdowns and things like that haven't we so is there going to be any potential issues with getting the work done and then you're looking at the, the exit as well aren't you so if property prices are going to go down what's your gdv is that going to work in six months time so that's where i think that becomes a bit more difficult but but yeah, I think on the whole, if somebody brings something to me i 'll know whether it's something that's that's doable or not definitely mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. definitely
1: and i think I think that's where your years of experience comes in where someone who's a little bit wet behind the ears in a bank mm. might not be able to see that and just take the whole process right the way through
0: yeah, definitely, and a lot of stuff that we do is refurb to whatever it might be h m o blocks of flats, you know single lets, whatever it might be so Um, If you're looking at a refurb to convert it into something, that's just not something that you're going to be able to do smoothly and and well from a high street lender Um, because you're going to have to provide tenancy agreements, which you're not going to be able to do. The property might not be in a lettable condition. Even if it is, the rental in its current condition might not be able to support the the lending that you need. Um, So that's where bridging comes in. I think a lot of people are quite scared of bridging Mm-hmm. Um, it's not something that they're comfortable with. People think it's a load of cowboy lenders, and it's really expensive. And perhaps historically that was the case, but I think things have changed massively in the last couple of years. Um, and we've got some really good solutions out there. And if you're looking at the end goal and where you're trying to get to, bridging is fantastic. You know, you just you work the cost in. If it doesn't work with that cost in, then in my opinion, it's not a great deal. So or you, you don 't use it, but if it works generally, it allows you to pull money out you 're doing it the right way, you can move on quickly um, and you can pull some money back out and move on to your next deal is the ideal situation
1: yeah i mean i'm a i 'm a big fan of bridging i again, yeah. like you said, it go back ten years and it used to be quite a scary thing yeah, oh you get oh change you get in a bridge, are you sure <laughs> you'll take your house away and all this nonsense yeah. and I think now it 's just it's just such a doable thing and it's, it's yeah. everywhere.
0: It is, yeah. And there's loads of lenders that are now doing the bridge and the term exit as well, which is brilliant because you're then saving arrangement fees and legals and valuations sometimes and, and all the rest of it. So there's some great options out there.
1: No, I'm a, I'm a big fan of bridging mm. and I've... Uh, I actually, funny enough, I know um, uh, together at the moment, Together Money, are not actually yeah. lending. And because I was a customer of theirs previously... I managed to give them a call and they are actually, uh, they've provisionally said they're going to lend to me on my next project. Oh, thought, yes, but it was, again, having that relationship. Yeah, it is.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Who could get you through the door to an account yeah. manager to ask those questions? And, you know, if you'd gone through the helpline or gone to a high street bank or someone on the high street, you're just not going to get that level of service. No, then. you're
0: not. No, no. I mean, together are, are, are great at building that relationship. There's, they're not. They're not my (laughs) favourite lender. (laughs) They're not my number one. Um, They have their place um, and we use them when when we need to. But yeah, it's it's about building that relationship, isn't it? And I think as a property investor, it's not always going to work because lenders have got different appetites and different projects are going to work for different lenders and you might want different things out of it. But if you can start to build a relationship with a lender, that's the way forward because they'll... They know that you've got that experience of so where you've got something where it might be slightly outside or maybe you haven't got quite all the refurbishment money. But, you know, you've got money coming in from here and there on the way and all those sorts of things and sort of take a view on it because they know that you've done it before and you're good to your word. So I think it's good
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. no no big fan of bridging and I, I I kind of actively promote it to people you know it's, it's a nice way to get a project done and like you said it's so easy to do now if the numbers don't fit in within your 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 budget or your scope of works so you just you know the project isn't good enough you yeah. know if you're that tight that you can't pay yeah. the bridge interest yeah. there's something wrong with your project and you need to revisit the figures
0: absolutely yeah totally agree
1: so Ellie just just for some of the I get a lot of uh kind of new guys listening to the podcast and always reaching out and asking questions so just for the sake of the guys that are quite new to this would you mind just giving us a quick like overview of the different types of not i know you can't tell me about all the products but just stuff like you know a buy to let mortgage a, um, a a bridge loan and some of the other main things that they might come across just a quick overview of the different types of products that you you can get when you're doing a project
0: Okay, so let's start with bridging then, as we've been talking about it, and that's generally how you're going to buy your property. So the reasons that you'd use bridging, so if you want to get something completed quickly, I have done a bridge together actually in three days, you know, not going to do it every week, (laughs) but it's possible. So if you need something done quickly, if you want to be a cash buyer, that works really well. If your property is not in a mortgageable state, if you want to convert it um, to an HMO or to flats or back from flats to a house or anything like that if there's any planning issues if there's any structural issues there's loads of different things that you can use bridging for generally we will lend you roughly up to 70 75 percent of your purchase price um depends on the project and the lender and um, we can sometimes lend you the refurbishment costs as well generally that works where you've got a bigger project and um, you need to have some profit in the deal so by the time we take a look out with your finance costs and everything you need to have at the very minimum 10% ideally 20% and make sure you take your finance costs out before you work that out as well Um refurb costs are lent to you in arrears so you need to have some cash flow so what I would normally say is make sure you've got about 20% of your refill costs and then it's sort of recycled so for example your refill costs are 80,000 you spend 20 you get 20 back and then you spend it again and get it back um yeah that's kind of it really oh the interest that's the other thing I was going to mention about bridging so in terms of interest bridging is more expensive you're roughly looking at sort of for normally, I don't know, 0. 0.8, 0. 0.9 a month, something along those lines. You can get bridging cheaper, but on the whole, you, you won't get it um, and much cheaper than that. Um, you can either pay the interest monthly, but obviously it is quite expensive and you haven't got any rent coming in on this property. So if you can't or don't want to do that, we can do what's called rolling up the interest. So if you work out what the interest is going to be for the term, so say you take out a 12-month bridge, You'll work out what your interest is going to be for the whole 12 months. And then you take that off the amount that you get on day one. Now, that does mean that you get less to buy your property. But it does mean that you haven't got any monthly payments to worry about. So it's quite handy. And from a lender's point of view, it's less risky. So lenders are more keen to do that. So you can sort of work that into your figures as well. Any interest that you don't use, you will get back. So if you repay your bridge after, say, nine months, you'll get it back generally there isn't any exit fees on bridging although there is a lender that we're working with now that has put a one percent exit fee on um but yeah generally not generally you're looking at about two percent arrangement fee roughly 0.8 to one percent per month so that's where you are with bridging buy to let mortgages um we can lend up to i would say 75 there are some lenders that are saying 80 85 percent there's a couple of reasons why i'm not personally keen on going above 75%. The big one, um, well, two, I guess, at the moment. One is there is some uncertainty around the market. Prices may drop. We, we don't know by what extent and like over what period, but to give yourself a bit of a backup, think about your leveraging. Um, and secondly, once you become what's called a portfolio landlord, now you become a portfolio landlord on your fourth property purchase. Lenders have to look At your whole portfolio and do a stress test on your whole portfolio in order to work out whether they can lend to you on a new project and if your portfolio is sitting above 75 percent that could cause you some problems so they're the two reasons why i would say on the whole now it's not not a blanket approach if you've got some properties that are really low leverage perhaps you've got some in the southeast where you've got a low yield and you can't borrow any more and then you're sitting at i don't know 50 60 percent on them then you might want to take out a higher mortgage on something else to, you know, on average, you're, you're less than 75. So it's not, not a, um, a blanket. No. And they are available, but just think about those things. Um, in terms of how lenders work at how much they can lend to you. Some lenders have a minimum income. Some lenders don't. A lot of the specialist market don't have a, a minimum income, although just be aware that their interest rates are going to be slightly higher. Um, And they will work out how much they can lend to you based on the rental income. So your rental has to be 125% of your mortgage payment if you're on a five-year fixed rate. If you're not, then it's at an artificially high rate. If you work out as sort of working out whether it works, assume your interest rate is going to be 5.5% and then make sure your rental is 125% of that figure that makes sense mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's just sort of worst case scenario and that works for HMOs as well so we do HMO mortgages um we do loads and loads of HMO mortgages that's one of my favorite things to do I'll have a refurb to HMO um and it, it works the same way your HMO needs to be licensed so that's why we use a lot of bridging for for these properties because you're moving from bridge um, to HMO mortgage afterwards. Um, it means you can get it to a licensable standard, you can do your refurb, you can put your suites in and, and the rest of it. And then we can move it to to mortgage once you've finished all those works. We do, as I've mentioned previously, we do work with lenders that will do both, which is fantastic. It's, it's a breath of fresh air. Shawbrook are my favourite lender for this. Um, <laughs> I make no secrets of it. So they, they do a really good job. They will do the bridge And then once you finish the works, there's no minimum term, no six month rule. As soon as you finish the works, you move on to a a mortgage with them. We do a new valuation, which I think is really useful because it means that you can get that uplift. Whereas there are lenders that will give you a figure on day one. So they'll say, yes, you're going to do this amount of works and we think it's going to be worth X amount once you finish them. Now, that valuer hasn't seen the finished article probably going to be erring on the side of caution because they don't know the finish, they don't know the standard that you're going to, you know, use. Um, so you're not going to get the highest valuation. Whereas if you have a new one done afterwards, in my experience, you do get a higher figure majority of the time. Obviously no guarantees. But <laughs> it's, it's nice to have another go. Um but then you don't pay in another arrangement fee. Um very very little legal so it's a smooth quick process we can move it over in sort of two to three weeks and um, just wait to evaluation really up-to-date documents and then we move it across and um, trying to think what else I can mention is there anything else <laughs> we do we do commercial mortgages I think they are a bit more tricky at the moment obviously um that's one area I think of the market that's been hit more heavily than others mm-hmm. um I think trading businesses are going to be a big one It's going to be potentially potentially an issue for some time. Um, but we 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 do look at them, but yes, yeah, kind of case by case basis at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's difficult to say really what we can do. Generally, I would say sort of 65 to 70 percent, but yeah, we will look at commercial properties as well
1: no that's uh, that's really informative i've uh, yeah. i've picked up i've picked up some points there myself <laughs> actually you know um I always wondered why um well I knew that they stress test you on your portfolio because i've had it mm. before, but it makes a lot of sense now that um you want to be sitting below seventy five percent and yeah. not leveraging yourself too much because yeah you're right times like this this is where people are really going to find out you know if they're over leveraged or if, if, they're, if they're running at the yeah. right kind of percentage um
0: yeah and it is tricky I think because lenders I mean this only came out it was a new PRA change that came out oh, I don't know a year or two ago um, I can't think exactly but not that long ago and then since all that's come out there's been some new technology that's come out on the back of it so there's a company called eTech that will stress test your portfolio for you and they use things like um, house price and sort of online tools to stress to check the value of the properties that you've got on your portfolio so sort of two things that lenders can do really they you, they can ask you to provide a portfolio schedule and take your word for it or they can go away and check those figures and increasingly lenders are going away and checking those figures so if you're then relying on data you can't just manipulate your figures to make sure mm-hmm. that you're under mm-hmm. 75% so and these things are notoriously cautious aren't they if you're looking at you know desktop valuations and things like that um, you're relying on comparable data and if that data is not there then it can lower the, the value so you have got to be careful and I think I think I mean everyone's got to be careful it's, it's all well and good saying you know pull all your money back out of deals and use it for the next one and all those sorts of things but in life we don't borrow everything that we can do we you know we no, save up for things and mm-hmm. we balance our cash flow I think cash flow is really really important but also making sure that you've got a really solid portfolio you know and and as you as you grow your portfolio you need to you know look look after it because you know you you don't know what's going to happen I think a lot of people coming into the market now have seen well give or take 10 11 years of, of growth haven't they you know it's not been massive growth but it has been a slow and steady growth but I think if you go back historically you know we live in a in a boom bust economy don't we that's that's what happens and various things trigger this the boom and the bust and and house prices tend to follow that curve so we have what to be careful and what you don't want to end up doing is then being in a position where you are unable to buy property because of your portfolio Mm -hmm. and take advantages like now for example you know um there's a lot of people that are going out there and, and trying to take advantage of the situation at the moment which is, which is brilliant and we need that to keep the economy going. But if you've got a portfolio sitting in the background that's stopping you lending and borrowing, then that's going to cause problem. Yeah, no. But like future-proofing, isn't it?
1: No, I, t- I totally agree with you, especially mm. where you said there's been some there's been some major stretch testing as well. I mean, I, I felt it through wow. COVID because I had uh, two remortgages going through with foundation mm-hmm. home loans. And, you know, suddenly, as soon as the lockdown happened, all these weird forms started arriving, yeah. Asking, yeah. asking me questions you know asking me to sign this are you aware of this are you aware of that and it's like whoa you guys are really trying to cover your own arse Oh yeah they're just pushing it back
0: to you yeah I mean from their point of view lenders are always looking at worst case scenario and their worst case scenario is they're sitting in court trying to repossess your house that's that's worst case scenario and if you can sit there and say well you should have known you should have known that I was going to be in this situation you know you've lent to me irresponsibly then that's they're not going to get anywhere are they and that's what they're they're looking at so yeah they will be covering their backs 100 percent
1: yeah, I mean, we had some, you know, I'm, I'm talking 30 minutes before funds are due to be wow. uh, sent uh, declaration forms to say, you know, uh, is COVID going to affect you in any way that you're not going to be able to make payments? And you're thinking, surely you should have asked me this months <laughs> and months ago. And it was so bad Elliot. you know, this little statement that came through on this bit of paper, it's like some, you know, 18 year old just quickly typed it up. There was spelling probably mistakes in it. <laughs> there was <laughs> There was errors in it. And oh. I'm reading it and I'm thinking, wow, they are they're really kind of under a little bit of pressure here just to make sure they're covering themselves.
0: But it was mad times because things were literally changing day by day. And I think things have have calmed down now, definitely. And people are trying to come up with sort of more longer term strategies, I guess. But um, yeah, things are changing. When we had, we had one case that was due to complete the first couple of weeks of lockdown and a client had um, a new baby And the the lender's asking the client to go and get their personal guarantee witnessed. And the client's saying, I I don't want to leave my property. You know, I don't, I don't want to leave the house. I don't want to take my baby with me. I don't want to come into contact with someone, which we're not really supposed to be um, to get this witnessed. And so the lender off the back of that has has changed the way that they do a personal guarantee. They've changed it to to a contract, which then doesn't need witnessing off the back of that and off the back of them. yeah, COVID. So things are, are changing day by day, and and lenders are basically not making it up as they go along. That does not it? <laughs> not quite the right word, but you know, they're they're reacting to a, a, a situation, aren't they? You know, it it wasn't until valuers said we're not going out to visit properties that lenders then started thinking, well, we need to come up with a solution and rely more heavily on desktops. You know, it wasn't it wasn't the lenders necessarily thinking beyond the next couple of weeks you know mm. before lockdown happened and before we were told that so
1: there were some really odd situations for us as well I mean me and my wife we run our company together and we needed mm-hmm. to get um, uh, in- independent legal advice from our solicitor and although um uh, Uh, Foundation Home Loan said, yeah, look, we'll accept something over Skype or a video. Our Mm. solicitor just wasn't prepared to do it because he was worried about his own uh, insurance and his own liability. So I'll tell you a funny story. I mean, (laughs) so he he rang me up. He said, look, you know, I'm in contact with my elderly parents, so I don't really want to put anybody Mm. at risk. He goes, but I'm prepared. Yeah, yeah. yeah." Yeah. I was like, "Okay, so how do we get over this? So he said, look, what I'm going to do is I'm going to drive to your house at 1130 at night once i've been away from my parents for a few hours i've got the forms with me what i require you to do is have your own pen and i'm going to have one of those um uh trash collecting big long sticks that they have <laughs> where they think... so he yeah. hands us he hands us these forms through the window
0: with on this taker. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and
1: Brilliant. with our own pen he asks us to sign it yeah. he witnesses it all back in his car and then he kind of puts it in this plastic wallet without touching anything. And he's got these cleaning wipes and everything. And I'm thinking, this is seriously extra. Yeah, and managed, isn't it it yeah. is, it is. And yeah. I managed to film it, actually, because I, <laughs> I stuck it on my Instagram because I just wanted people to see it. And it was, um, yeah, it was uh, it was quite funny how people are prepared to do certain things to get the deal across the line. Yeah. I mean, it was nice because you thought, you know what? He's actually... He's going really... really
0: that is the extra mile, isn't it? Definitely. Yeah yeah
1: and I think it brings me back to that whole kind of question of having the right people on your power team and you know when disasters like this hit would a high street bank really be looking after you as well as a broker and I think the answer is no
0: no because it's about numbers isn't it and it's I mean I've, I've been in that world and and I understand it and it's it's their it's their business model you know there's nothing wrong with that it's just that they rely on doing a huge volume of deals to be able to get their rates down that low and You know to to be able to offer what they do. You know, and that's just completely the opposite. Specialist lending, really, Mm -hmm. it's not turned it on its head. Specialist lending is about relationships rather than than nothing.
1: I want to ask you a question. Does your firm Mm -hmm. charge a brokerage fee?
0: We do. Yes, we are not a charity.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and you know what? Um, I I'm all for brokerage firms charging a fee. But do you want to tell us the kind of pros of a fee? Because there's what always people
0: the saying, okay, people <laughs> always
1: like, oh, well, you get paid by the lender, you get this. And I'm like, no. I'll let yes. you explain okay. the pros of so it. So
0: we do get paid by the lender. Um, the way that our fee works, we don't charge anything up front. I know a lot of broker um, firms charge something up front. We don't. We will get you to formal offer. That's my commitment to my clients. That I will get you a formal offer. Um, and on that formal offer, that's when our, our fee is due. Now, I think the pros of having a, a broker fee is that, you're committed. I mean, we will ask people to sign a fee agreement before we do any, you know, I'll get an AIP and then I'll ask for a fee agreement, but I've got, I've got your commitment. You are serious. You're a serious investor and you are seriously looking for somebody to help you to, to achieve something. And I think, you know, you don't, you wouldn't go to a solicitor and try and haggle down fees and not pay fees. You wouldn't do the same with an estate agent or an accountant or anything else, you know, And and equally, you don't go to a shop and necessarily ask for the cheapest car or the cheapest fridge or whatever. You know, it's you pay for what you get, in my opinion. Um, And as we've talked about, we do offer more than just here's a lender. I'm going to send them some documents and hope for the best. You know, we do hold your hand through it. And, you know, I've had clients, especially recently where, They've gone to auctions. There's no guarantee, obviously, that they're going to win that property. There's been loads of properties that, that have gone for massively more than the guide price um, and clients haven't got them. But I've got an AIP for them. I might have spoken to a state agent or the auctioneer and say, look, you know, we've got funds in place. This isn't a problem. And and I'll do that. And I'll do that, whether that's three or four or five properties until we get one that you're ready to go ahead with, you know. And, and I think... A fair way of doing it is saying you know i'll get you to a formal offer and then i'll charge you the fee because at that point chances are you know it's going to complete you are going to get that property and nine times out of ten we'll take that payment on completion so you've got your prize and that's when i get paid so mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. well like i said i'm all for brokers who charge a fee um and it really frustrates me when people say oh well you know they get paid by the lender and I was like yeah well yes they do and some would look at that as a processing fee that you're actually the lenders paying you a processing fee to put all yeah. the paperwork through that is and exactly all that what
0: it is yeah that is exactly what it is I mean the majority of the lenders that we work with don't go direct you know your client couldn't go to to Shorebrook as an example and, and deal with them directly and um, so we have all of the the FCA requirements about anti-money laundering and ID checks and all those sorts of things. So we're taking on that from the lender um, because of, of their model, really. So that's where we get paid because of, yeah, like you say, it's a processing fee. It's doing those those checks and, and that processing. But um, I think a broker fee is more than that. It's, it's saying... You know, I am I, um, committed to being a property investor. This is what I want to do. I've, I've found this property. It's a challenging property. It's not something that's going to be necessarily easy to to complete on. Um, and I want someone that's genuinely going to give me some help with that.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you, Ellie, do you think that um, people that don't uh, charge a fee, they may be inclined to put you with a product that gets them a better kickback?
0: oh that's a controversial question (laughs) um we we are fca regulators so anybody who is not doing right by their clients and not treating their clients fairly um will be in a lot of trouble so it's not something that i would like to think that nobody did that in all honesty it's not something that i would ever consider you know for me it's about finding the best deal for that client um you know the right the right thing for them what's going to get them to where they want to be, you know, achieve what they want to achieve. Um, It's not necessarily about rates, you know, especially at the moment, Um, but it is about what's the right thing for the client. I think firms that don't charge a fee are going to have to do twice the amount of cases to get paid the same amount, roughly. Mm -hmm. So therefore, you know, the reason that we are able to spend the time that we are with our clients is because we don't have an enormous client base you know we have I don't know 20-25 clients that you know that we're looking after at one time so if I start looking at 50 clients at any one time suddenly I've got half the amount of time to spend with the people that I've got so you're going to look at you know there's going to be delays in getting your documents and sending them up to lenders there's going to be delays in coming back to you and sometimes those things don't work if you've got a quick deal that you need completing you've got an auction purchase you know whatever it might be you need someone who's going to respond to you immediately and that's what I'm able to do because of the way that we've set up our model
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we're not a
0: so business
1: quality over quantity absolutely oh, that's uh, <laughs> that's good to know that is good to know <laughs> And it leads me on to my question that people Mm. are dying to know. Now, um, I'm really going to value your opinion on this. Now, you're the first person onto our new series, which is Women in Property. Mm -hmm. And uh, you mentioned to me that um, the firm you work for is... Uh, completely uh, full of women so I think I think this is going to be a very very good answer from you one that I'm looking forward to oh, what do you <laughs> what what do you think is the current state of the market what's I mean people are like what's going to happen is there going to be a crash it is there going to be a big doomsday um, there's a lot of scaremongering out there I mean you as a broker who sees the products speaks to lenders what is your opinion or what do you think may happen or may not happen uh, as we slowly come out of this lockdown
0: okay um well I think that things are improving already um there are so many more properties coming to the market I mean I know just from sort of doing a, a um, right move search on, on where I live that there's properties come to the market every day and um, lenders are back I mean they are being more cautious in certain areas but on the whole they're back to where they were pre-covid um personally and obviously this is just my personal opinion. <laughs> I have no idea what's really going to happen I, I don't think that there's going to be as much of a of a crash as people are making out I think it depends on what market you're looking at and I know that there's going to be a, a problem later on in the year you know once the furlough scheme finishes I think that perhaps we will see some changes later on in the year going into next year but I think that you're always going to have people that are going to want to talk about the doom and gloom. And I think that a lot of the time we can talk, talk ourselves into a recession and, and equally talk ourselves out of, of a recession. But all the news that I'm reading about property is really positive. And that tells me that we're trying to talk ourselves out of, of a recession, which is a good thing. Um, and I think that there will be people that are going to want to take advantage of this situation. There's a lot of, money flying around at the moment there's a lot of bounce back loans lots of um you know yeah loans from here there and everywhere so i think that people are quite cash rich
1: mm-hmm.
0: in especially in the property investor side of things um talk to me if you're looking to or looking to use your bounce back loan for property just as a as an aside i have put it on my blog last week so I have a read of that as well because lenders aren't so keen on it as you might hope that they might be um but yeah, long term, I think that we will come out of this um, relatively unscathed, I think, as, as a property business. And um, I think hopefully things will return to normal. And I think there might be a dip towards the end of the year, as I'm sure there will be lots of people losing their jobs, unfortunately, towards the end of the year, once the furlough schemes um, have finished. Um, but yeah, hopefully we will bounce mm. back.
1: I mean, I'm I'm totally with you on that one, Ellie. I, I I feel there's going to be a slight dip, but I think if anybody is hanging on and thinking they're going to get an amazing deal and the market's going to completely crash out, mm-hmm. I think you're kind of a little bit deluded because you're going yeah. to whatever deals you might have on the table now, you're probably going to end up losing those as well. I mean, yeah.
0: We've had a few auctions this week and last week where properties have gone for a significant increase mm-hmm. on the guide price. Um, none of my clients have, have achieved, you know, have managed to buy anything in the last couple of weeks because it's just not profitable to buy them at the figures that they're buying. Because the, the issue is, is you've got to sort of factor in a 10% drop on your GDV, haven't you? You've got to, because mm. we don't know what's going to happen long term. But I think there are a lot of people that aren't doing that because they're they're spending a fortune on, on properties that on paper aren't worth that much money. So we will see. But yeah, I'd I'd like to think that it's not going to cause too much of an issue. And I think that if you do your figures right, hope for the best, but um, plan for the worst, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. Just make sure you're careful with your figures and don't get too caught up on ebay auctioning as i call it where you get so sucked into buying something that you end up buying something which isn't a good deal because you're just so fixated on winning that prize at any cost and you know you see it i've sold crazy things on ebay for crazy prices
1: yeah yeah and <laughs> um,
0: you know, because people just get into a bidding war, don't they? And I think sometimes that happens at auctions. I think where there is limited stock, people think well, this might be my only chance to do this and actually lose sight of the prize. But I think things will calm down, you know, give it a couple of weeks. We've literally been out of lockdown, or semi out of lockdown for what two weeks now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think things will start to calm down. But transaction I- levels are looking good. And I think that's the main thing.
1: It's emotional bidding, isn't it? People get mm. carried away at auction houses, and you kind of tell them, Look, you, you know, you've got to bid with your head. Don't start bidding emotionally. I've seen it myself. You know, you'll have a couple of blokes in the room, and it's like, Well, your my pockets are deeper than yours. Yeah. Or I'm bidding yeah, yeah. more than you. Absolutely. And you think to yourself, You guys have just let a wholesale property go for way over retail prices. Yeah. Are you both, you're both idiots. You know, yeah. what's going yeah. on here?
0: What's going to happen is they're going to pay their ten percent, and then they're going to try and get a bridge on it, and the valuation is just not going to come in. And then, and then, what do you do? You either walk away, or you're then topping it up with your own cash. And then, where's where's your GDV? You know, where's your GDV at? It's, mm-hmm. it's not going to work. So, yeah, you, you need to stay. It's got to be um, a business transaction, hasn't it? And I think houses, people sometimes do get emotionally involved in houses, and I get that. You know, a lot of especially new investors only the experience they've got properties their own property and of course you're going to get emotionally attached to your own property i think people have take that and, and apply it to investment properties as well but it, it is a business transaction the numbers have got to stack up but that's it you know there's no point spending loads of money on a beautiful marble kitchen worktop when you're going to put students in a property you know it's <laughs> it, you're not going to gain that value back i think there's some people that you know, work out their, their figures for their GDB and think, well, I spent X amount of the purchase. I spent Y amount on the refurb. X plus Y was this. And that's what I think it's going to be worth. And you think, well, not necessarily. <laughs> Ideally, yes, if you spent it in the right places, but not necessarily. So, it's yeah, it's got to be a business transaction. The numbers have got to stack.
1: No, I, I totally agree with you. Ellie, something you said earlier on about um, people get fixated with no money in deals and wanting to mm. pull all their money out um what's your kind of opinions on people who are always trying to kind of you know look for that deal where they can pull all their money out now from past experience i've only ever been able to pull all my money out and some in a growing market Mm. in london where the market was booming had there not been a market uplift that project could have that project would have gone horribly wrong for me it's only because the market started picking up and people were crazy buying one bedroom two bedroom flats that I did really well but I have never up to this day done a deal where I've got all my money out and some
0: I think you've hit the nail on the head there I bet you've I don't know whether you have but maybe you shouted about that on social media and everyone's gone oh James did it James did it I want to go and do it I can do that and I think I'd (laughs) you're right it 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 doesn't happen you know sometimes it happens but normally um I've got one client that tells me that if you're going to do that it's because you've got a good price on your purchase it's got nothing to do with your refurb Mm -hmm. or you could look at it the other way around that you've you know favorable market conditions as as you say so your gdb's come up possibly would have gone up anyway whether you'd spent that money or not so Yeah, I think people will shout about the the best of the best. And we hear about Insta lifestyles, don't we? And I think it applies to property as well, that people Mm -hmm. will tell you about the best thing that they did. And I get that, you know, people want investors to come on board. They're trying to sell a brand. I, I totally get that, but it doesn't always happen. And I think you've got to be realistic because what you can end up doing is that you're looking for this thing that doesn't exist. And the more that you wait and the more that you wait, you end up that you've missed out on opportunities that are still good opportunities. You know, we've got a um, few people that I work with, quite a few actually, that say that as long as I can get my money out in three years, it's a good deal. Yeah, I think that's that's a realistic way of approaching things. It is it is a good deal, and it depends on what you're looking for. I mean, if you're looking for yield and income, and and you know, to replace your income and leave your job, then. That's the most important thing, isn't it? Your yield is the most important thing, your cash flow. Not necessarily pulling all your money out. But then equally, I do get that people have only got a finite amount of money. And the less you get out, the less you've got for your next project. So it's a difficult balance. But I do think that you've got to be realistic and you've got to think, I've got to get it done to a point. Because if you haven't got any properties, getting on that property ladder, starting paying your mortgage, starting collecting that rent getting your experience is so important that if you're then looking for this magic deal, you're never going to get there. You've got to think, where do I want to be in five years? And maybe on that list is having a no money, no money left deal. Maybe that's on your, on your bucket list, if you like, but that's not going to be a first deal. It's probably not even going to be a fifth deal, but it might be a seventh, eighth. So Mm. I think you're always better to do something than do nothing. In my opinion, you've got to work towards where you want to get to.
1: No, I agree with you. I mean, like you said, earlier, I did shout about it on social media. But I also, when I put my description down, I said to the people, I said, listen, this could have gone horribly wrong. Mm. And the only reason why this was a mo- no money in deal was because the market rose. And I have yeah. to be totally honest with you and tell you that because it's not some magic thing that I did. I didn't take a magic pill. I didn't have a, a magic loan on this that suddenly, you know, did some good stuff for me. It was totally the market rising. And I think yeah. they teach you this in courses too much where yeah, people are like, oh, I'm going to get all my money out. I'm going to get all my money out. And then you think, oh man, I've still got 35 grand left in this. It's like, what do I do now?
0: Yeah. But that's where things like angel investments come in and JVs and, you know, I've met so many people that have created this brand around their property and i know it's, it's not for everyone it's not what everyone wants to do and you have got to be really careful and you've got to do all your due diligence and everything but you know if, if you create this brand that can create a really good return on your investment there's no reason why other people can't invest in you as much as you you know you can do the first one or two and then um, and then go out for some extra money you? once you've once you've achieved that
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Talking of brands lead, leads mm. me into my uh one of my last questions. So we met at the maygreen um yep. open day, which mm-hmm. was a fantastic day, I must say, a real real eye opener. Yeah, and it's uh it's really nice just seeing what your clients have done there. I mean, do you want to just let the listeners know a little bit of background about them and how you have May Green. Them? Okay, yeah, okay.
0: yeah. So we've been working with them for I think, coming up to about three years now, um, and I'd I, I love them <laughs> I think they're a, they're a brilliant couple um, yeah. I love their branding um, and I absolutely love what what they've done with the business and they've just taken it to a, another level um, through the branding and the brand of their of their properties um, and the way that they have created you know you you see a blog people in the property world I suppose maybe <laughs> not everyone but you see one of their properties and you immediately know that it's a Maygreen green property. Um, and I think that's that's fantastic. They they have got high aspirations um but they work hard um and, and they're achieving that. So it goes to show what you can do with hard work um and, and a good power team. You know, they've got a good team of people around them. Um, and I'm sure they would be happy to tell anyone who who wants to know a little bit more um, about the sort of problems that they've had with builders um, and and issues that they had with previous brokers and all those sorts of things. But it's a it's a learning curve, isn't it? And I think sort of two three years down the line, they've got a fantastic builder in place. I'd like to think that they would say the same about me. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's about it's all about building relationships with people and and having really clear. Um, expectations um, around what you expect from people and holding people to account really you know you'd, you've, got to, you've got to do that but I think they're, they're a really good example of how um, the multiple occupancies that HMOs have evolved the quality that you can put in and um, how you can really work with um, terrace properties in Manchester and, and turn them into absolutely beautiful properties that people really want to live in um, mm-hmm. And they've done some great work recently on sort of changing with the times, You can't go into too much detail, but they've, they've been um, really forward thinking um, mm-hmm. in the current market about how they're going to change their strategy and how they can move forward and, and continue to, to grow.
1: Yeah, no, I, I think they, they're doing a great job. And I, one of the things that uh, really springs to mind is what Sarah said on the day and she, about yourself, actually. She said, you know, uh, Ellie just makes the money happen for us. And, you know, that's a, that's a really nice compliment because mm. uh, her whole kind of thing on it was like, you know, we find the deals and we hand them over and we've got a broker that we can trust who yeah. we know is just going to make it happen for us. And it's yeah. just I think when you're giving feedback like that about a broker, that is you know, that is uh, worth its weight in gold. And, oh, absolutely.
0: Uh, yeah. But that's what it's there for. And, and, and you know, come back to broker fees and everything. You know, you don't, I, I used to work for John Lewis many, many years ago. I'm a massive John Lewis fan. And I think people go into John Lewis because they don't, they don't want the lowest cost item, do they? They want to be able to go yeah. in there. They want to have a good chat with somebody who knows what they're talking about, who's going to suggest something that they get. And then they're going to buy that, take it home, and it will work. And it will be everything that they wanted. And if anything goes wrong, they're able to call them up and they'll get a new one. You know, that's what you want. That's in my eyes. That's what, what what we are. I want to be the, you know, somebody who's able to give a really, really good customer service. And when things go wrong, because they do go wrong, they do go wrong. But I will confront that head on and deal with it and find a solution. You know, I'm not someone who's going to shy away from bad news. Um, whether it's you know evaluation that's not not happened or it's probably with legals or lenders made a decision that we're not happy with you know whatever it might be we don't shy away from that we we challenge it where we need to and we move on to the you know and find a solution and and that's what you need and I think like the Green guys are really keen on outsourcing and I think outsourcing is a brilliant thing as long as you've got people working for you that are really good because if they're not then that's where it, it all goes wrong doesn't it and I know that they've got VAs that they work with and you know they've now found a builder that work with pretty much full-time so you know you've, you're building relationships with people and you've got clear expectations around how they work and and that's when hopefully it all goes well.
1: Yeah no mm-hmm. totally and and mm-hmm. one other thing that sticks out about Rob as well is he said that you know most of these deals they don't have all their money out. You know, they have a considerable amount left in and they have a strategy over one, two, three years when they know when the payback period is. And, you know, this is coming from, you know, one of the best guys in the industry saying Mm. that, that they leave money in a deal. So I think if people are blinded by, you're going to get all your money out, I think you need to go and read another book because it just doesn't work like that no more. Yeah,
0: but you see it and you you read it so many times and you know, we we work with... um, lots of different networking events and property investor like um, mentee groups and all the rest of it and when you listen to people that have been in the industry for a long time who've got these amazing portfolios that are you know making them 50 grand a month or whatever it might be when you actually look at how they started they started because mum and dad bought them a house when they were at uni and they rented it out or um They bought a back-to-back property in 2006 in a back-to-back remortgage and pulled a load of money out. You know, it's things like that. And you think they've... I'm not saying that they haven't done a good job and I'm not saying that they haven't put themselves out there and I'm not saying that everyone's going to do that and they have taken a risk. But sometimes it's not quite as easy as that. And I think some people just expect it to be easy when it's not and they see obviously such and such did it. Well, they did but they did it 20 years ago, you know, (laughs) it was a different Mm -hmm. world back then. Um, And properties have grown in value. So, you know, you could have bought a property 20 years ago and sat on it for 20 years and you'd have made an absolute fortune, wouldn't you? So, yeah, different times. Yes,
1: especially in London, I've seen it over and over again. Every 10 years stuff goes up. I mean, I often talk about my first house and it's called my lucky house. And that's Mm. the very good reason why I've never, ever sold it because every 10 years it's gone up and every yeah. 10 years I've pulled a shitload of money out of it yeah. and used it for other projects yeah. and yeah you know and like you say would somebody starting now would they be able to do the same no they wouldn't because no. the times have completely changed the and I think people changed. need to realize that yeah
0: exactly and yeah there are still opportunities absolutely there are opportunities but yeah you've, your expectations have got to be realistic otherwise you're not going to achieve anything I think that's really demotivating if you're going into you know you're looking at a deal appraising a deal and every time it's not hitting the the targets that you've set for yourself firstly that's really demotivating secondly are you ever going to buy anywhere (laughs) you're not going to buy anywhere (laughs) you know and then like you say property prices do rise if you buy them in the right places at the right time and obviously nobody knows where the right places are at the right time you kind of got to get on with it and see what happens but if you buy a house in time you will make money on that house if you leave that money there for long enough but if you don't buy it in the first place it's not it's not starting on its on its track is it Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm. ellie just lastly i want to touch Mm. on something you said again earlier you said people need to know what their strategy is you know what are they doing is it a cash flow strategy are you trying to replace an income now one of my most recent deals which is still kind of going through is two hmos i think i may have told you about this one which is you know i I would personally say I have paid um, the right money for it. I haven't got a deal on them, but what I have got is they haven't been released to the open market where there would have been a real kind of dogfight over everything. (laughs) Now, I know by the time these two are finished, I'm probably going to end up leaving £50,000 in for them. But, you know, it's 12 rooms that is 200 metres away from a university. It appeals to professionals. It's going to be let all year round, you know, and then you think to yourself – Okay, I know I'm going to have to leave X amount of money in, but my strategy is a cash flow strategy. Yeah. You know, and I know that from day one. And some people say to me, Oh, James, you're absolutely nuts. Why are you buying properties in COVID? And I'm thinking, if we were three months ago or four months ago, I can tell you 35 people would have been fighting over those two houses to get those. Yeah. And do I really want to be stopping my strategy? Because, like yourself, I'm a massive fan of HMOs. And um, I do do them up to a, a very good standard. And I, and I feel coming out of COVID and people being furloughed, I think there's going to be a massive market for HMOs. I
0: agree. I absolutely agree. Yeah. There's going to be lots of people that are renting at the moment themselves, by themselves, that are not going to be able to keep up that rent, I, I think. Um, mm-hmm. there's also going to be people that are perhaps having to travel for jobs if they've lost their jobs. You know, people are gonna to have to be a bit more flexible and they're gonna to have to be thinking about their cash flow. And I think an HMOs really fit in with that. And I also think that you know, do you as a single person want to live by yourself all the time? And you might be working from home, for example, you know, and, and you you can benefit from being an HMO. You've got some social you know interaction with other people you've got a much bigger amount of space for the for the price haven't you you've got a bedroom and a lovely communal mm-hmm. space and um, generally a lovely big kitchen so there are loads of pros of of HMOs and yeah I agree I think Covid's going imp- to increase the demand absolutely the only thing possibly is, is students um, from a short-term point of view we don't know what's going to happen with the university students in September do we so I don't know what's going to happen this year um, yeah so I mean I I, I've much- Thinking
1: about, I've kind of wrote off the students till 2021 mm. anyway. So uh, plus we've missed the intake. So I kind of think,
0: absolutely, yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, we miss we miss the intake on a couple of our other ones as well. But you know, there's a there's a lot of construction going on in the northeast where you've got yeah. you know professional engineers over from Spain working on some big projects. So yeah. they were very very easily let, and we actually let one three weeks into COVID fully let, and it's been Amazing. the best one with no delays on payments or anything so like yourself i'm a massive fan on them yeah um ellie that brings me to the end it's been (laughs) it's been really really nice finally talking to you and you know what i've i've uh, i've picked up so much knowledge myself and um I I think you've really kind of hit the nail on the head where you've talked about some of the projects. And really, I think one of the biggest things you've said is people need to realize what they're doing this for. Don't Mm. just be copying somebody else just because somebody's doing this and someone's doing that. Absolutely. Um, Work out your own strategy and work out what you want to do. Um, And I kind of. You know that leads me on to the last bit is where can people find you? You know I'm going to put your links in um, yeah. in the show notes and everything. But if somebody wants to reach out to you and think, you know what, I absolutely love that podcast. I got some real value from it. I want to work with this lady. Where do I find her? How do I get hold of her?
0: Best thing is just give me a call. Mobile numbers on the website. It's on um, Instagram um yeah mobile number is best obviously at the moment more than ever um but I'm always around for a chat and I'm happy to to just have a chat and you can pick my brains um and we can chat through your deals and yeah yeah, see how we how we go from there no pressure
1: and and lastly guys I think you know if this is the woman that's supporting people like Mae Green and you know Mm. I know everybody's a massive fan of Rob and Sarah and what they do and you know, you guys have got an opportunity to work with someone as great as this. Why wouldn't you reach out to her, you know? <laughs>
0: exactly, exactly. <guys>. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, and she's the first person on my Women in Property oh, series. Yeah. And, you know, the whole point of the Women in Property series is to demonstrate that there are some really powerful women out there in spaces that people often think it's only for men. You think about Absolutely. mortgages you think, yeah, oh, it's going to be a man, you it's going to be a man.
0: We do, yeah.
1: And I think people are going to get a big shock moving forward to see that some of the people i got coming up in the Women on Property series, you men out there, you are going to be kind of taken back when you, think, when you see some of the projects these ladies are involved in and they're not telling the world about. And for me, it was a big shock as well. I was like, whoa, you're like, you don't post anything on social. You're just a mega property developer. And I can't yeah. wait to tell the world That's about what there's it. a
0: saying, which I can't think of right now, but it's something about, you know, sit back and it don't shout about what you do it's just let people see what you're doing i think has so much of a, a bigger impact isn't it because yeah people can just see the the effects of, of what you're doing and the outcome of it
1: yeah, yeah. no absolutely ellie once again yeah. thank you so much for joining me and i'm so glad we did this because uh, i think you've just you've just given so much value away and i've, oh, uh, I've learned a hell of a lot myself
0: well right, i've really enjoyed it thank you for your time james
1: No worries at all. And hopefully we'll speak soon. Yeah. See you later. Thank
0: you. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the J2 Hub podcast with James Sahota. If you like the podcast, feel free to subscribe so you never miss another podcast from James. And if you got value from this podcast, do take the time to leave us a review on iTunes or wherever else you consume your podcast content from. And remember, you're never too late to become something you truly want to become.